0: After the death of Saul, when David had returned from striking down the Amalekites, David remained two days in Ziklag. And when he looked behind him, he saw me, and he called to me. And I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said to me, Stand beside me and kill me, for anguish has seized me, and yet my life still lingers. So I stood behind beside him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the armlet that was on his arm, and I have brought them here to my Lord. Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And David said to the young man who told him, Where do you come from? And he answered, I am the son of a sojourner, an Amalekite. And David said to him, How is it you were not afraid? to put out your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed. Then David called one of the young men and said, Go, execute him. And he struck him down so that he died. And David said to him, Your blood be on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan his son, And he said, it should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is written in the book of Jashar. He said, your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. You mountains of Gilboa. Let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death they were not divided, They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women how the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished.
1: Father, thank you for your work in us. Some of those things which have been imperceptible up until now are now brought into the light. and We celebrate. We thank you for all that you've done in us and all that you will do in us, for those who are not yet here, for those who are not yet born either of your kingdom or of the flesh continue to build your church here in East Dallas at St. Bartholomew's. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome, everybody. It's that day, finally. You've heard me talk about it incessantly, which is a word that means without stopping. And I have talked about it a lot And July 1st is here. Are you excited? My old boss, Philip Jones, our bishop, used to say, Jay, you fired up? And today, I found myself, I heard, and I texted him, he's on sabbatical, but I texted him, I said, Philip, I heard your voice today, and it asked me, am I fired up? And indeed, I'm fired up. I hope that you took notice of the new signs. I hope that you're enjoying the bulletin. Um, these, these speak to us things of beauty. There's a, there's a beauty and a balance to the marks. There's a beauty and a balance to, to everything. And go to the website after the sermon, maybe, stbartsdallas.org, but it's, it won't, you won't be able to see it until like 6.05, so hmm, imagine that, just kidding. But go to the web, just behold it all because it speaks about what God has done in us and what God is going to do in us. There's a beauty, there's a symmetry, there's, there's an inviting expansiveness to what I see when I see St. Bartholomew. When I see the bulletin, when I see the website, when I drive by three times yesterday and twice today and see the signs out front. Thank you, Andy Thompson, for putting the signs up so professionally. There he is. This has been an amazing team effort. Amy Troll, my assistant, or the administrator of our church, has been shepherding many people with the website, with all sorts of design. Glenn Gauthier did our, our logo and our mark. Craig Dennison designed our website with others, with J.D. Lemming and Brian Munway and I'm probably leaving people out, so I'm not supposed to say all the names, but those are the names. It has been a beautiful and amazing team effort, and it's, it's real, and I'm calling attention to it because it's more than a logo. It's more than a guy with a Twitter account <laughs> or, or a group of people with the Facebook account. This is an incarnation of God's Work in you and in me. The same way that when God made Adam and Eve in his image, in the Trinity's image, and said, and he gave Adam and Eve dominion over the garden to work it and to keep it. And in particular, he made Adam like a king, Bishop uh, Robert Barron says in his commentary on 2 Samuel, because Adam had power to name those things that had no name. He had power to have dominion over them. And God is giving us this ability to incarnate his vision, this supernatural ability to be his presence in East Dallas, along with all the other churches in East Dallas. But he's given us the unique ability to do that. And he's called us and invited us into this journey of being fully human. Did you notice what it said on the front of the bulletin? Did you notice what it said on the website? You were made to be fully human humanity is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. The crown of creation made in God's image, though we wrecked it in the garden, Adam and Eve did, in Christ Jesus, we were unwrecked. And not just unwrecked, but redeemed. A new creation, St. Paul says. And as we walk in the power of the Spirit, we walk like Jesus walked in this fully human way. So, I'm telling you now, I'm declaring to you now, enjoy this new reality. Embrace it. Run in its expansiveness. Breathe in the deep, refreshing 100 degree breaths outside, but breathe it in. We are people called St. Bartholomew's, and we're going to learn to live into that reality. Now, I woke up this morning thanking God and thanking people. That wasn't my status all week long. This was a hard week, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if it was spiritual warfare or just all the things that all of us have been working on to, to make this a reality. But it's been a really difficult week. But this morning, I woke up thanking God. Thanking God for you, for my family, my wife, this church, for Philip Jones, our bishop, for the staff at All Saints Dallas, for Dave Larley, the vicar there, For Cassie Lewis, who's a member here but works at All Saints Dallas. For the board of stewards at All Saints Dallas. The way that they have poured into us time and talent and energy. I woke up thanking God and I woke up thanking people. That's going to be part of my transition exercise because I looked at my life this week and I realized, wait a minute. For seven years, I've worked for one church, All Saints Dallas, because even as we were All Saints East Dallas, we're, we're still part of that church. And now even though my office isn't going to change, the clothes I wear aren't going to change, the place of my employment, that changes. And as I pondered the the strange division of this reading from 1 Samuel, good job, Ellie. As I pondered, though, the way David responded to the death of the guy that was trying to kill him, don't forget, I realized that I need to mark this transition. We as a people, you heard me say it a few weeks ago, and if you weren't here, hear me say it again. We need to find a way to mark this transition from being All Saints East Dallas to St. Bartholomew's. You may not realize it, but tectonic shifts are happening. We're not becoming a different people. Nothing really is changing, as I wrote in that weekly newsletter that you always read. But things around us are changing, and there's something about us that is changing. It may even be by a degree, but it's different. And and you and I have to mark that transition. We have to mark it well. We have to do it with integrity, as, as David did. But as I woke up this morning, I was thanking God, and I was thanking people. I'll continue to thank people, because people are what this church is. People are what has made this transition happen. Being fully human means, and you've heard us say this time and time again, being fully human means that we can live in the liberty of the children of God. Think about that for a minute. As I was preparing for tonight, my old self, if you will, the achiever self, First half of life, Jay, would be primed for a stunning performance, an opportunity to hit it out of the park, if you will, to knock him dead, whatever. But the Lord reminded me to be still, to be present to him, and that no one needs a home run. People need presence. And as I did that, and as, as I was present to God, instead of, you know, working on my home run swing, my uppercut, as I sat still and I was present to God, I, reminded of, of, I was reminded of how rigid I can be in life, of how oftentimes God simply wants us. He loves the things that we do for him, but he wants the totality of us. And he doesn't need a dog and pony show. He doesn't need us to prove, I did this, I did this, I did this. He simply wants us. I love the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon, I don't think, was written strictly as an allegory. It's it's a beautiful love story between a lover and his beloved. And then the group, the chorus of women that follow the beloved around, it's restrained. And even in that, in that beautiful movement of love between this man and this woman, there is a picture of God's love to us. And he hungers after us, his bride, his people. He longs for us. He wants us. And so to be fully human is to realize that we are an object of God's unfailing love, love, the love that we sing about that that will cause us to not be shaken in the sight of anything. There's a line in it, in Song of Solomon, that says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. It's very intimate. It's it's embarrassing. It's It's almost too picturesque for us. It almost describes too much for us. But there is a deep intimacy that God can share with us if we will be still, if we will live in that liberty, in that freedom of the children of God, if we'll accept his invitation to be fully human. When we're fully human and we live in that liberty and that freedom, our lives are marked by a liberty that transcends mere rule-keeping or sin management. You, are you familiar with that phrase? Dallas Willard, I think, coined it. He said, Western Christianity, modern evangelicalism, has really become a means by which we manage our own sin. And that's not what Jesus died for, to make You do stuff better. He died so that you could be a new creation. And from that new creation flows behavior, flows the fruit of the Spirit, flows loving action. On my own, I'm kind of a jerk. I'll just be real straightforward. But with the love of God, when I'm reminded to thank God and to thank people and remember that God has this unfathomable covenant love. Chesed, remember that great Hebrew word? He has this love that he lavishes on us. St. John says, oh, how great is the love of God that he has lavished on us that we might be called the children of God, and that is what we are. When I allow myself to be overcome, when I relax in the presence of that love, then I can Then I can live in the liberty of the children of God. Then I can be fully human. Then I'm not so concerned about sin management. Because I know I'm going to sin. I'm going to sin until the second resurrection. The first resurrection was Jesus' resurrection. When he comes again and all those who are alive in Christ will be raised to life in him. And all those who are not alive in Christ, St. Paul says, will be raised, but not to life, but to everlasting death. But until then, I'm going to sin. And we confess our sin, and we mourn our sin, but we realize that our sin does not change God's thoughts about us. He loves us. There's nothing we can do to make him love us anymore. There's nothing we can do to cause him to love us any less. Psalm 103 says it beautifully. He removes our sin as far from us as the east is from the west. So to be fully human means to surrender to that love. It means to believe what could be unbelievable. It means that, yes, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross really does atone it really does take away all of our sin really was put upon Christ in that moment and as he offered himself in the eternal spirit that sacrifice had effects for eternity past in eternity future we're called to be fully human and what of this passage with david you may recall was last week david and goliath yes i heard it was awesome Sorry, I was, I was floating in Tyler State Park last week in the water. I wasn't levitating. <laughs> and it was pretty awesome. I love trees. And, and as Chris and I were talking in my office earlier today, I was, we were, he was reminding me that from the time that David killed Goliath to the time that Saul dies, a lot of stuff goes down. Most of which is Saul trying to kill David. Jonathan protecting David. David. Jonathan demonstrating that same covenant love, Chris reminded me, the same love that God has for us. And so we see in David, the way that he marks this transition is shocked through with integrity. God's anointed is dead. You killed him. You finished him. Someone take care of this guy. So, that guy's dead. And then David mourns and laments. And he he mourns in such a way so that future generations would mourn the death of Saul and Jonathan as a righteous king, even though it was said of Saul who was rebellious, the sin of rebellion is like the sin of divination. Saul, because you didn't completely obey me, you might as well have consulted a witch. Oh, wait, he did. Saul did not finish strong. He finished very poorly. But that was no excuse for David. David marked this transition with a beautiful lament for Saul and for his dear friend, Jonathan. He navigated this whole saga of Saul pursuing him and trying to kill him with complete and total integrity. I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. David could have taken Saul's life very easily in that cave, but he did not. And we're reminded of what Psalm 78 says. It's a beautiful psalm, history of Israel. Go read it, meditate on it, memorize it. It's very long. Warning, spoiler alert. But the last verse says that David shepherded the people with an upright heart and skillful hands. And we see the the, sort of the consummation of David's integrity to lament and to mourn, to compose a song, not just a song to be sung and then forgotten, but a song that people could sing. Hey, it's in the book of Yashra. Go find it, sing it. Let all the generations of Israel remember how the mighty have fallen. And so David navigates this transition with integrity. We have been through a long transition. It is not, there's no similarity between Saul pursuing, et cetera, but there is a similarity in the the reality of transition. And God is inviting us as St. Bartholomews, to navigate that well with integrity. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. We have been given a lot. God has given us talented, gifted people. God has given us resources. God has given us his own son. He has given us the unlimited resources of the kingdom of God. And so as we move forward in mission, in ministry as St. Bartholomew's, we'll do it with integrity. We'll do it honoring those who sent us, celebrating what they've done for us, Honoring the work that's done in our midst. Do you remember when they put together the tabernacle in the book of Exodus? All these people with the spirit of skill and artistry, the spirit of God inspired them to create beautiful works for the worship of God. Gosh, we're only seeing the beginning of what God is doing in us. I hope you're ready. I hope you're expectant. I'm not saying that tentatively. I'm not saying that hoping that you'll jump on the train. I'm declaring it to you that God is doing good and beautiful things in us. And it's yours to jump in, to be a part. Thank God. Thank his people. Let's walk this transition with integrity. And lastly, I want you to notice, oh, this dear woman. This dear woman who had the flow of blood for I don't remember how many years was it, 12 years, 13 years, over a decade. And she, she realizes in her mind, there's something different about Jesus. But notice, all the people were pressed in on Jesus. All the people were close to him, weren't they? Have you ever been to the Middle East or a non-Western country? I'll never forget the first time I went to North Africa. I rode a train across Cairo. There were a lot of people pressing in upon me as if I had some sort of power to give away through my outer garment. (laughs) And then I realized that that's why my youth minister was so disappointed that I did not know what personal space was. All the people pressing in on Jesus. But notice, there was only one. To whom the power of God went out. What does that mean? For us, friends, it's good to be here. It's good to be in this place right now. But proximity to Jesus isn't everything. I mean, just look at Judas. I'm not saying you're Judas, but proximity to Jesus isn't enough. What was it of the woman? that Jesus said made her well. Daughter, verse 34 in page 5 of your bulletin. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Proximity to Jesus and faith brought healing to the woman who had suffered not only a debilitating disease, but also the debilitating shame of her disease. She was perpetually unclean according to the Hebrew law. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. And as this one who was unclean came to Jesus, the fulfillment of the law, the only begotten son and eternal word of God, as she reached out and touched him with faith, she was healed. Friends, everything we do, we wanna do in proximity to Jesus. But more than that, everything we do, we must do by faith. And again, it doesn't mean squeeze your eyes closed real tight and think it's my faith. It goes back to that living in the liberty of the children of God. Trusting that his love is a love you can fall on. Trusting that when everything else fails you, his unfailing covenant love is the ground you can stand upon. They are the wings that overshadow us. They are the everlasting arms that we can fall into. And so as we're called to be fully human, as we live on this journey together, and as we make space for people at the table to come and join us on the journey, those are the things we need to remember. Hmm, I am excited. I cannot wait to see Does that mean everything's going to be up and to the right, as Philip would always say? No. We're going to hit road bumps. We're going to encounter herds of swine. There are going to be people, there are going to be all sorts of challenges. But God is good, and he is our leader. He is our guide on this journey. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your beauty, your beauty that is unspeakable, and yet our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our souls know it, when we see it, and we see it here at St. Bartholomew's. Continue to incarnate your love and your beauty. Make us fully human, new creatures made and remade in your image. We pray all this in the name of your Son, our Savior, and our King, the Son of David, our Lord Jesus. Amen.